All right, Flip. We're about one-sixth of the way through this 2020 season. So my math tells me that's about, say, 28, 29 games of a regular 162-game season. So that's a nice chunk. Tell me, is this playing out the way you saw it playing out? Uh, first of all, when I'm into music, I really enjoy the music. I was like zoning off on the music, but okay. How is this season playing out? Is it playing out to my expectations? Um, nothing is playing out to my expectations or nothing is playing out to the way any, probably anybody thought it was going to play. I mean, it, it is, it's a wild scene. Uh, I mean, as you can imagine, look, the, the world is faced with, uh, with a lot of uncertainty now. It's been a rough ride for the world. It's been a rough ride for, for everybody. And obviously we're part of everybody. So yeah, businesses have, have, have had to struggle and adapt and change and baseball is no different. It's trying to adapt and change to, you know, an environment that is totally unpredictable. So because it's unpredictable, there's been a lot of things that have happened that no, no one foresaw. I mean, you know, uh, you certainly with the first week of play, I didn't think at the end of the first week of play, there'd be three teams that weren't playing anymore. I'm not saying anymore, but we're not going to play for a while. And uh, I mean, you see that coming? No, not really, not initially. So, I mean, so that certainly was one of the, one of the things that really struck me. Um, you know, and, and the inconsistency of like, you know, there are teams that are just haven't played in a week. And, uh, you know, that's that creates havoc with the schedule. And but, you know, th look, these are the things we, we were going to face as an industry because the world is facing it. Um, there's always going to be right now. Uh, the one thing we can be certain about is going to be that there'll be uncertainty and there's going to be struggle and there's going to be adaptation, which is necessary. People have to adapt. We have to adapt in baseball to. The, to you know what, what the virus is either giving us or not giving us right now so you know th that is the biggest single challenge is obviously the virus and uh, you know we have to sort of work our way around that and through that and power just try to get through this and uh, you know there's been a lot of interesting good things that have happened as well to, you know for the game and but it is a struggle and it is tough and it isn't playing exactly the way that I saw it or I'm sure as, as people in the industry saw it. Yeah for me I, I just didn't anticipate how fluid the schedule would have to be um, so we've already seen a bunch of games canceled or replacement games being scheduled. Uh, double headers now. You got double headers starting to pile up in this situation. I mean, teams are not used to playing double headers, although another change now, seven innings for double headers, seven innings each game. And uh, that was something I didn't foresee that they would shorten the game and go to seven innings. I didn't, I wasn't thinking how many double headers you'd have to play as makeup because there's not a lot of room in the schedule because it's so tight to get those 60 games in. Right? I mean, basically teams only had a couple of off days, if they, but now you have to use them to play makeups. That's a good point. So we are looking at it from a team standpoint and a player standpoint, and obviously it's not very easy. But how is it for like – Tell the listeners, for yes, we have to also scramble a little bit, right? We thought Yankees versus Phillies one day, and it was not Yankees versus Phillies. Well, we think Yankees versus Phillies one day, then we find out that there is not that day and that we need to make up that game so that game will not be part of a doubleheader, but the doubleheader is going to be in Philadelphia. One game is going to be in Philadelphia. Now we're adding a sec another game to Philadelphia to make up for the one that we lost. And so, therefore, we're playing a doubleheader in Philadelphia. And we are the home team in Philadelphia for one game. And then the Phillies, who are the home team, get the second game as the home team. So, I mean, I mean, this has been 
it's it's we have to you know we have to you know make allowances for these things but every day is it's if you're to use the word fluid we just need to be that and every day we just have to you know we have to take this as it comes treat every day as the challenge that it is and and uh, you know address those challenges which i know we're capable of and we and 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 we will you know persevere but it is a it's certainly not an easy situation and it certainly has its its challenges no doubt Speaking of fluid, I should note that this Curtain Call podcast episode is incredibly fluid. We already lost our producer who lost power. I'm clearly in the middle of a hurricane. I don't know if you guys can hear it, but it is cats and dogs out here. Right. Our producer's shaking his head. He can hear the rain. Is that Dan um, Bassone? Dan Bassone. Yes, yes, yeah. Dan Bassone. So, like hey, it. we introduced Dan Bassone. How about we introduce ourselves? I'd rather just or stay with we- Dan Bassone if you want, but sure, go ahead. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Oh, all right. I am Kevin Sullivan. I'm from the uh, digital media department here at Yes, currently in my 13th season here at Yes. Um, and I can honestly say it's probably one of the most challenging and rewarding seasons all at the same time, believe it or not. Uh, as usual here with Mr. John J. Filippelli, you know his name from the NBA Yankees broadcasts, a true legend in the business. Flip, how are you doing today? I'm good, man. I'm checking my legend at the door, but 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 anyway, yeah, I'm good, Kev. We, you know, I'm hanging in there like everybody else. It's uh, it's it's not without its challenges, though. We use that word quite a bit since we started this our podcast today. Challenges, a lot of challenges. But you know, that you would define everybody in life is defined by the challenges that they have to face, and this will help define us, no doubt. And uh, uh, but we, you know, we'll come out on top. We'll, we'll persevere. It just it just it takes patience, it takes dedication. And it takes, you know, a will to get through it. And uh, we have all those things. So I have no doubt we will, we will be, we will stand above the virus. But, uh, but it's certainly taking, um, it's, it's, it's forcing us to take a lot of different tacks on how we approach things, no doubt. And you know what? We're surrounded by smart people, which is reassuring. I want to also remind everybody, rate, review, subscribe. That really is the best way you can help us. Um, I know, Flip, you rated, reviewed, and subscribed a few times today already, right? I'm about kidding. 50 in my spare time. I'm tired of trying to figure out what description I'm going to put in. It's really hard. Uh, I'm about a kid, actually. But I, we do appreciate those, by the way. Some people are very creative in their writing, but it's fun. And, and thank you for the nice words, uh, uh, those of you who have been uh, writing the reviews for us, uh, because we can't write them ourselves. So, But thank you very much. I want to um, quickly get to Michael Kay. Um, before we do, I have one more conversation I want to do. And it's the importance of the 2020 season is what I want to talk about. So I think prior to the start of the season, there were, let's call them Debbie Downers, for example, who were like, well, you cannot crown a champion after 60 games. I think fast forward to today, the script has been flipped and it's even more prestigious to win this title. What do you think? I think people are not giving it the credit that it deserves um this is going to be whoever wins it's going to be a herculean task it just is from the, we met we mentioned some of the challenges that the the schedule you know the you know provides and just just the fact that you're going to have to stay on the field and you're going to have to play those games i know it's on it's 60 as compared to you know the 162 i mean i get it but but 
but but having said that, the challenges with the, with the havoc being reached not reached on the on the schedule and on the travel, how you get from one place to another, you know, ro- home games become road games, road games become home games, you know, double headers become you're the home team for one and the road team for another. I mean, it's just there is just the the consistency will be in that there is no consistency, and to try and overcome that. Uh, when people, sweet baseball players are creatures of habit. They get up at a certain time, they they play a certain, they go to bed at a certain time, you know, they, they they eat it at a certain time, and all that stuff, that all that 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 the, that routine is thrown out the window. And you're asking people who are so into a routine now to be out of a routine so they can sort of get through their work day. This is going to be really challenging for, at so many different levels. You've already seen it. You know, it's a, some teams like the, you know, the uh, the Phillies hadn't played in you know in a week. You know, it's you're asking them to go out and be sharp when you haven't you haven't played a real game in a week. That's that's tough. You know, that's that's something when you do a schedule. You know, no one gets a week break in the middle in the beginning of the season. Hey, you play like seven games, we give you a break for a week. I mean, no, it doesn't work like that. So there's just again a lot of unforeseen things have happened and will happen. People have to adapt. So whatever, and then you've got to get to a, for an, an extra level of playoffs now. Another round has been added. So you're asking, you're asking whoever is standing at the end to me actually is a champion because they would have had to overcome, you know, beat the baseball side of this, but they'd also have to overcome, you know, the challenges that the virus has presented. And that, to me, honestly, shouldn't be diminished. There should be, there should be some, there should be an asterisk. If you want to put an asterisk, you put an asterisk, you put you put two, and you said over, overcame and persevered against a deadly virus as well as the, the you know, the, the teams in the, in the game. That, to me, speaks volumes about it, and I certainly I think it's to be praised and not diminished, even, even slightly. Completely agree. We're on the same page there. Um, I'm willing to bet somebody else who's on the same page is Michael Kay. How about we go uh, to our interview with Michael Kay, see what he thinks. Let's, let's go. Let's hear, let's hear our, our good friend Michael Kay. Welcome back to Curtain Call, John Filippelli, Kevin Sullivan. We are now joined by our very special guest this week, uh, the voice of that was the voice of the New York Yankees, uh, one of the uh, nicest people that I know in the business, and obviously an expert on the New York Yankees. So, in no particular order, that was my introduction, and I'm sticking to it. So, Michael, how are you today? Great, Flip. How you doing? Hey, Kevin. We're doing well, Michael. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to come on. And don't forget, those of you out there, rate, review, and subscribe. That's the best thing you could do uh, for us and with us, and we appreciate that very much. Uh, all right, uh, Michael. Uh, you know, obviously, COVID has played um, havoc with the world, uh, obviously. And uh, we are part of the, of, the, of the solar system, so it's obviously played havoc with us. Uh, as a broadcaster now, what changes have you have to make and, and how's that adaptation going so far? I, I guess the biggest change would be on road games because, you know, we're not allowed to travel. So obviously I'm doing the game, doing play by play off of a, a television screen, which I've never done before. Um, a lot of TV announcers do do the game off the monitor. I do it off the field. I think you get a better look and, and the camera is not 3d. So there's things you don't see. You don't see if they're waving a guy home. You don't see an umpire making the circular motion if the ball is out. Uh, you know, the director is following the ball. The ball's bouncing around in the outfield. You don't see the runner around third. So I think you just have to almost take a beat and just be a, 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 a nanosecond behind just to get it right. But, uh, you know, not complaining. This is, you know, as you said, the world's in 
fairly bad shape right now. So if I have to call a game off a monitor, it's, it's not that big a deal, but it's just been a, a little bit of an adjustment. I mean, in the past, you could always just sort of look to the way the booth is situated. You could look to your left and you could see, and you know, David Cohn and Apollo O'Neill. Now David is in another booth uh, close by, but he's not in the same booth with you. And Paul is on a Zoom call in Ohio. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's been odd. I mean, David is, is just a, a pain of glass away. So at, at Yankee Stadium, I'm situated in what would be the visiting television booth. And David's in, in the Yes Network booth. Um, so when da- uh, I could see David's body language, the way he's leaning, whether he wants to talk or not. Uh, they, uh, the, the biggest adjustment flip has been Paul uh, because, you know, he's, he's all these miles away. Uh, but we kind of solved that two innings into the, uh, into the, uh, the first game that we we're doing because we we're kind of stepping on each other. And, and I asked our producer, Bill Boland, I said, do we have video of Paul in his basement? And he said, yeah. I said, well, why don't you put it in a monitor that, that both David and I can see? And then we arranged with Paul that when Paul wanted to talk, he would just raise his hand. And uh, since then, it's been great. I mean, the only problem with the Zoom situation is that I'd say Paul is probably a quarter second, a half a second behind. So if you're listening to the broadcast, you could hear, you know, we might say something to him, and it's just a split second later than he would be if he was right in front of me. But again, a small price to pay to get all three of us together for the game. You know, the, life is so strange, and obviously the situation is so strange. Uh but if you ever told me like we would be doing a remote during a game with Paul, I would have thought it would have been from a restaurant someplace because <laughs> Paul you know, has to eat every 28 seconds. He has to have something to eat. So I, uh, I, I thought that would – for sure we'd find him in a restaurant. I never thought we'd be doing a game and Paul would be down in his basement doing the game with us. And, and the biggest thing, Flip, I think you know this, is that when Paul is in the booth, that means it's a catered affair. Uh, so there will be food in the booth because he, he you know, he just – I guess he's an attraction magnet for food, but uh, they're not allowing food into the ballpark. You got to pack a lunch and stuff like that. Again, certainly not complaining, just trying to tell you how different it is. I, I don't know if Paul could survive in the booth without food. So I'm glad that he's in the basement and Neville could give him food between <laughs> innings. Luckily for me, Michael, you know, once the game starts, I can really lose myself in it. You know, so outside of those obvious moments, I don't really notice that there's no fans. The lack of supposed energy, I, I don't notice. But what about you? Because you actually have to call the game. Do you have to approach it a little bit differently? Or are you able to, once first pitch comes, really bury yourself into the game? You know, once the game starts, Kev, uh, I, I don't even consider that there aren't fans there. I mean, when you look around, you get it. But I've never broadcasted where I'm riding on the crest of emotion from the fans. I, I kind of ride on the crest of emotion on the, on the bigness of the moment, you know, how big the hit is or how far the home run is. So that, that really hasn't affected me that much. I, there was one funny moment, though, in, um, in uh, I guess it was Monday's game, where Britain is on the mound trying to close it out. And with two strikes, I guess they jacked up the crowd noise at the stadium, and it felt different, you know. It felt like, wow, there's a little more energy and I got lost for a moment and, and, and forgot that there was nobody in the stands. And I even mentioned, if you listen to a replay of the broadcast, you go, wow, the crowd is uh, loud. So they, they must have rode the pot <laughs> in the scoreboard. But it sounded real. And I guess for people back at home, if you're not looking at the empty blue seats and the tarps on the seats, it actually sounded like fans were getting into the final 
you know, final three outs of the game. So that was kind of neat. Prior to you coming on, uh, Flip and I were having a conversation about the ever-changing schedule. And, I mean, it, Yanks are 8-1, and one, right? So it's not impacting them greatly. But it would have to, I think, impact the players a bit, especially the pitchers. When they think they're going to go from D.C. to Philly and they go to Baltimore or vice versa. So what I want to know is how does that impact you as far as preparation is concerned? You're thinking you're getting one team and you get the other. Yeah, but you know what? There's usually a little bit of lead time for me to know that. It's not like, you know, two minutes before the game, they change the uh, the opponent. So that that's fine with me. And, and you know, I, I've done a lot of work on, on the whole thing anyway. So I, I'm okay if they, if they switch the schedule. I just don't think it's good for the sport. I really don't. You know, I was talking to John Sterling the other day, and he said he, he's done ABA games. He did AHL uh, games and stuff like that. And those were fledgling leagues. He said and the one thing – that was always sacrosanct. The schedule was the schedule. And of everything they've done and trying to get the 60-game season in, the uncertainty of the schedule to me seems really hinky. And I think that that's, that's a little bit of a concern. I think, you know, on, on Monday's game, the Yankees played the Phillies, and that was the first game the Phillies had played in eight days. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to Jake Arrieta, who hadn't pitched all year yet. Those are the teams that get affected. At least with the Yankees, when their Philly series was, was called, they missed, I think, two games. And then they had them travel to Baltimore. That's a small difference compared to uh, compared to what the, the Marlins and, and, and the Phillies have gone through and now what the Cardinals are going through. I don't know how you could expect them to play, you know, representative baseball if they're going to miss that much time. Baseball is, is a, a game that the players expect to play every single day. You know, maybe there's a rain out every now and then, a day off, but you never have multiple days off in a row like the Phillies at eight. I just don't think it's fair to teams like that. You know, Michael, um... This is interesting to me. I mean, it's actually fascinating to me because I mean, the, your points are very well taken. But but I but I would say that you know, to me, I think anybody who diminishes if we get through the schedule, and there's there's a lot of questions if we'll get through this, right? But say we do, say we get through it and we play the we play the sixty games and uh, get to the postseason, and whoever perseveres through all that gets through the schedule and all and and all the the. the the issues that are coming with the schedule that you persevere, you get through the schedule, get to the postseason, you persevere through that crucible that is October and you win it, win a championship to me. Yes, it'll be 60 games and it'll be a postseason. But to me, because you've had to overcome teams have had to overcome so much to get to that point and to win. I don't think that championship should be diminished in any way. I think that championship should actually, to me, I, I would give it bonus points just because of what they had to get through, whatever team wins to, to, you know, reach that summit. I mean, I think it's an extraordinary story in a lot of ways, and it keeps rewriting itself every day. And again, there's a lot of glitches, and there's a lot of issues, no doubt. But the fact is, at the end, I still think whoever's left standing from all this, I, I think that that ring should shine very brightly. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, and think about it, Flip. It might even be harder. So you've got the 60 games. You don't have many days off. You're trying to avoid a deadly virus. Uh, everything is different. The schedule changes almost moment to moment. And then once you get to the playoffs, these playoffs are no different than other ones, other than the fact that it's harder. So if you're the first place team, like I said, the Yankees finished with the best record in the American League, they're going to face the worst wildcard team in a best of three. No champions ever had to do that. And then you get into the, the playoffs the way they previously were. And I'll steal a quote from the, the Milwaukee Bucks player, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and he said, forget about an asterisk. He said, this should be celebrated more than a championship than any other year. He said, because this is harder than any other year. 
And I think when you look at the NBA flip, it's closer to a real season than baseball's even going to get. Uh, so, yeah, anybody who wants to push, put an asterisk next to this like 20 years from now, I would say, yeah, you should live through it. Uh, there shouldn't be an asterisk. There should be a check mark. It should be, it should be celebrated, not diminished. Speaking of the playoffs, you know, in the spirit of the sprint, I know we were going to talk Yankees, but are the Orioles, can they make the postseason? You're going to see a team like that, Kev. You really are. Teams that would have no chance over 162. Because the beauty of a baseball season is that it really does expose uh, every wart and every flaw of every single team. Uh, 60 games does not. You can hide things. If you get off on a little bit of a run, it's significant. I mean, as we take this, the Yankees are 8-1, which is essentially 22-3 and to start off in a regular season. It's outstanding. And the Orioles have gotten off to an outstanding start. They're the team behind the Yankees in the AL East. I don't know if it's going to be the Orioles, but it, I think there will be a team of the 16 out of the 30 that you would say, oh, that's one of the dregs of the sport. But somehow they, they made it work for 60 games without being exposed. Switching to uh, the Yankees, how realistic is it to expect that Judge could keep this pace up? I don't think he's going to keep this pace up because I think, you know, you know, the guys mentioned it on the broadcast on Monday. You know, every single meeting that every team is going to have from this day forward, they're going to say Judge is not going to beat us. And you can see the way the Phillies pitched him on Monday. They were not letting Judge beat them. He got a couple of hits, and I think that he's smart enough to do that. But to keep up a pace of six home runs every five games, not going to happen. I mean, if anybody could hit 20 home runs in 60 games, I think it would be extraordinary. You know, I've heard some people talk about him hitting 25, 27. I just I, – I don't think that that's feasible. I mean, nobody could stay that hot. That would be essentially what Barry Bonds did with a body that was altered by chemicals. So uh, I'd say if Judge hit 20 home runs, which I think he could do, uh, he's probably the favorite for the MVP in the American League. You know what, though, Michael, and that, that those are valid points. But you look at the Yankee lineup, and I have never seen – I've been following this game for 65 years, okay? I have never seen – I look at this lineup, and it's like, where are the outs? I mean, you and Torres and Sanchez haven't even started to hit yet, really. When they start going, I mean, Stanton is off to a really good start. LeMayu is a machine. Urshela is showing that last year, at least in the, the initial going here, is certainly not a fluke. I mean, the Yankees are just are just loaded. Their offense is loaded. You know, they have, a, they have the best bullpen in the game, probably the best offense in the game. If there's a question mark, it might be who's slotting, who slots behind Cole. You know, in the in the Yankee rotation, and they've got talent. They just have to sort of figure out who's what the slotting is going to be. But you look at the Yankees and you say, I mean, they're going to be really tough to beat. I would agree with you. And and when I sit back and I watch them play, and we're announcing the games and broadcasting the games. That's the, that's the thing that gets me um, depressed a bit just in terms of baseball, not the outside world, because I believe that this team is so good and so complete and so fun to watch that I would look at it and go, gee, I'd love to see what they could do over 162 games. Could they win 115? I mean, to me, that's not hyperbole. I think that they're that good. Now, obviously, over 162 games, you're going to be dealing with injuries and things like that. But injuries didn't derail them last year, and they won 103. And to me, this team is much better than the team last year, much better. So that, that's the thing that gets me down every now and then. I really would love to have seen this team over a full season and see what kind of damage they would do across the landscape of baseball. 
you know, in, a, in some respects, Michael, and it's a, it's it's a little premature to call it this, but you know, when we those of us who lived through, and, and you were one of the people who did, I was one of them, Kevin as well. You lived through the the, uh, the strike of '94. I mean, I was at a place called the Baseball Network at that time. But uh, you go back and you look at that, and you say two teams that were on a collision course to. And the way it was slotting, the way the matchups would have been were the Yankees and then the then Montreal Expos. But the talent level on the Expos in those days was just was just unbelievable, the talent that they had. And obviously the Yankee team was was uh, was trending to run away with the with the American League. And and you look at it, you say, like, wow, what a great World Series that would have been. And it never happened because of the, the, the work stoppage in '94. And see, and you shake your head. But the Yankees was certainly looked like they were slotted for big things in the postseason. And you look at this year, and you say, "Wow, the way it's going to get it's early. It's only they've only played nine games." But you look at what they look like, the Yankees right now, the way they're playing and the talent that they have. And you go, "You know what? This has got to be a team that it could make some historical noise if, in fact, the, the context of history allowed that." I would agree, and and you know, to to give you. Some kind of indication special this team is they're they're eight and one. So this is the most successful sports franchise in the world. And only two other times in their history. Nineteen thirty seven, which was a great team, and nineteen eighty eight, which didn't end up doing anything. That's the only other times they've been eight and one to open up a season. So when you could put numbers like that and say, you know, not many Yankee teams have ever done that before, you realize how special it is. And I think about 94 a lot, Flip. Uh, I mean, how the world would be different if there was not a strike. You know, would there be a baseball network? Would you still be there? Would you have started? Yes. Would uh, Buck Showalter have a, a world championship on his resume? Resume? Would Joe Torre have ever gotten the Yankee job in 96? Would the Expo still be in Montreal? Would there not be a Washington Nationals? I mean, so many things would change. But uh, that's the world we live in. I guess it's the butterfly effect. Uh, they decided to to bang the World Series, and the world has changed since. How much do you love being on the number one rated talk show, not only in New York, but the sports talk show, not only that, but the, but the, being number one overall in the market? I mean, what satisfaction does that give you? It gives me a lot of satisfaction because I think we were working against a, a lot of things that didn't play in our favor. Uh, you know, we're a station that has a lot of national programming on it, which New York doesn't seem like it embraces as much as maybe it should. You know, and, you know, we went up against one of the preeminent icons in radio history and, and Mike Francesa and, and, and finally beat him uh, toward the end. So, and, and what also gives me pride too, Flip, after sports shutdown, so April, May, and June, they do it three months a year, uh, three, every three months. We finished third and we didn't have any sports to talk about. And the two, uh, the two stations that finished ahead of us uh, were, were two music stations. So uh, I think that's, that's probably, Flip, a greater accomplishment than finishing first. I mean, for a sports talk show to finish third and not have sports to talk about shows how wacky me, Peter, and Don are that we could actually get through four hours a day without any sports to talk about. But somehow we did it. And uh, I, I'm glad that sports are back, though, so we could actually uh, talk about what's in our wheelhouse. Yeah, me just as someone as a producer and someone who's in, been in the business a very long time. Um, I mean, I look at that that accomplishment and I say, you know what? It, it does speak to the depth of the show, and it does speak to me because you know what? Yes, there's a, there are a lot of sports talk stations in the country. There are a thousand or maybe more. I don't know. There's a lot. <laughs> Whatever there are, it's a big number, and uh, 
and you know, and everybody, a lot of guys talk sports. Some do it really well. Some do it less well. But truthfully, to get through a couple of hours sometimes in a day when there isn't a lot of sports going on, um, it's a real challenge to so to most people to get through that. But it's sort of you have to be a little bit more renaissance these days to be able to you know negotiate your negotiate through all that because you know you do have to give it some depth. You do have to do some layering, and I think you guys do a very good job of that. And it's engaging to the audience. And you can't do it all day, but there are times when. You've got a gap in the sort of programming and the, the sports thing that's going on. So you say, how do I spackle this? How do I fill it? You know, the way you fill it is organically with just some fun and some personality. And, you know, you, you know when to stop. You know when enough's enough. But it's a, it's, it's a lot of fun, yet it's a very challenging job that you have. Well, you, I mean, you're, you're very familiar with Tim McCarthy, who was the GM at the station. And, and he always said, he said, I, I want personality more than anything. He said, because personality doesn't take a day off. He said, if you've got personality and sports isn't there, you can always, people are going to come back because they want to hang with you because they like you. They just, they like, you know, what you're about and they like your, your, you know, your, your being. Uh, and if you're just somebody who's breaking down sports, I think that that this, this stretch of time where there've been four months without sports, it, it really exposes you because I mean, where are you going? If, if all you do is break down sports and, you know, we're a little bit more than that and, you know, we're also a sports show with a guy, Peter Rosenberg, who is admittedly not even close to a sports expert, but he knows popular culture and things like that. And I, I think that get, get that certainly kept people coming back to us. Well, I, I mean, a good job, obviously, overall. And now you could say you're, uh, you know, at your top of your game in two disciplines, the TV side of it and the radio side of it. So uh, not too Thank many you. people could say that. So and, and thanks for taking the time to come on with us today. You're you're obviously uh, an expert at a million different things, and you're also a very good friend. So I, uh, we appreciate it very much. And, well, Michael, I'll talk to you very soon. So thank you again. You got Kevin. it, guys. Please stay safe. And you Kevin, too. Thank you, Michael. Bye-bye, Michael. Be well. Bye-bye. Flip, after hearing that Michael K interview, I just have one thought. Just what? What's that one thought? Rate, review, subscribe. Please. Rate, review, subscribe. We don't ask much. Subscribe. That's actually three thoughts. <laughs> you have to write, write was, but okay. In all seriousness, Michael was great. Again, he was a, a repeat guest because um, we had David Cohn also. Uh, I urge you to go back and listen to the first Michael K interview. Uh, it's evergreen. It's still, uh, it still can be listened to. And in that interview, Michael K uttered the best phrase in the history of the Curtain Call podcast. Do you remember what that was? Which was? No, I don't. I asked him what it was like listening to somebody else do his job oh, while about, he was. Oh, I get it. About Jody. Jody. Yeah. I said, what's it like listening to Ryan Rucco do your job while you're recovering from throat surgery? He said, it's like watching somebody else make out with your wife. That's true. He did say that. <laughs> I tried to pick right. visual. That's a tough visual. So but yeah. I get it. Yeah. But, but, but very, very interesting use of a metaphor, but, but a good one. Enjoy a good one. Funny. Oh, it's a great one. He's, Michael's very good. Michael's got a good sense of humor. Yeah, yeah. I like this take, switching gears, talking about the Yankees. I like this take on Aaron Judge, right? I, I want him to hit 25 home runs, but how realistic is it? What do you think, Flip? Well, you know, last time we, we did this, we, we played a little game about over-under on certain things, and you asked me about the Judge for the season 20 home runs. And I said, under. because. And again, I kept saying, 
you got to stay on the field. You must stay. Obviously, you can't do anything if you're not on the field. What do you have to do? Stay on the field. Stay on the field. Stay on the field. So I got a my question. I I don't know that I didn't know that he could stay on the field. I mean, I mean, I think he's an extreme. He's a great talent when he's healthy and it stays in the game. I mean, honestly, the sky's the limit. But he has to get in the challenge for him is to stay healthy and to stay stay away from those little nagging injuries that force you to miss games, especially in a year like this with his really very so it's sixty as opposed to one sixty two. I mean, that's a that's a big difference in games. So if he could, but if he could stay healthy and Stanton as well, by the way, he Stanton and those he could stay well. Stay, stay in that lineup. The Yankees are going to do a lot of damage, so much damage. But, but uh, a Judge in particular, I mean, Judge again to have a little protection in the lineup. Because if yeah, okay, he's a tough out. But if you if you want to pitch around him, who are you going to pitch to? I mean, you give me outs right now. The only two guys not hitting are Torres and Sanchez. And guess what, folks? They're going to hit. They're going to hit. You know they're going to hit. So uh, the Yankee lineup is so loaded. But but Judge is is a. I mean, stands out. I mean, Yankees, he really does. He really is uh, someone who uh, his course really will dictates a lot of what kind of season the Yankees will have, what course he takes. Kevin, let me ask you a question. Uh, Yankee bullpen. It's been incredible. They are so dominant. It seems like they have an answer for, for any any offense they, could fa- they would face. They have an answer for it. Um, they have been terrific because what they've done is be able to sort of make up for some of the starters who haven't given them length as of yet. Their pitches have either not stretched out yet or there's one or two question marks about how the Yankees will slot after Cole, as we, we talked about briefly before with Michael. Um, so, I mean, how do you see the Yankee bullpen? Because I see them as just a weapon beyond belief. What do you? How do you see them? Uh, no, Kev. Where's Kev? Uh, Kevin's frozen on us. We're having a big storm here as we speak, so uh, it's very possible that the weather's playing havoc and we've we've lost uh, Kevin. But um, you know what? Because we persevere on this show and we have an imagination, how about we ask Dan Bisson, who is our engineer slash quasi-producer, quasi-director, quasi-quasi. Let me ask you, Dan, tell me about the Yankee bullpen. What's your impressions of the Yankee bullpen? How dominant are they? Flip. Um, I love the Yankees bullpen. I think it's always – been dominant the past couple few years actually it's been really really good and not to mention um they have two closers they're about to get Chapman back Zach Britton is a closing in his, in his own right and he's just been showing electric stuff this year so once we get Chapman back I think the Yankees eight uh seven eight nine is just dominant I just think it's the best in the business nobody can compete with it and uh, you, you know, Adovino, he's electric out there, and I just I love I love what they have. I love every piece they got back there, and I think they're very good. And you know, we've, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Loisica. Oh, of course, Loisica, so it's awesome. Loisica is very good. Yeah, he gives you the ability to swing for a couple of innings because he can give you some length out of the bullpen. So uh, that is another reason to underscore why the Yankee bullpen is so so dominant, so terrific. So. I don't know if we're going to get Kevin back. It doesn't look like we will. So, all right. So we're going to, we will see you soon. So for Kevin Sullivan, David Stone, I'm John Filippelli. Thank you for spending some time with us. And we will see you again shortly down the road. Hit that music, baby. Bring that music up. <laughs>